When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The Rose Water Collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. The Only Way is Through, a new podcast in partnership with iHeartRadio and Under Armour. Players, coaches, and athletes will share intimate and personal stories of performing at the highest level. Here is Canadian heptathlete Georgia Ellenwood. The reason I won is because on that day I was confident. I need to continue that mentality to understand that I can be an Olympic athlete. I can compete with the best in the world and just perform. Listen to The Only Way is Through, available now on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And this is our fourth and final episode in our special series on the book Lean In, Women Work in the Will to Lead by Facebook COO Cheryl Sandberg. And we hope that you have enjoyed the series so far. Caroline, do you feel like a more empowered career woman now? I, yes. Uh, researching for these episodes in... A uh, combination with reading Lean In, I, I feel more educated about career matters. But more than that, I have been so excited to see people's feedback. Yeah. Like, uh, the, you know, the minute we published the episode on negotiating salaries, for instance, we got this flood of feedback, particularly on Facebook, from women being like, oh, my God, thank you. Or, wow, I wish I'd known this two years ago. And... So do I. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it's been it has definitely been fun interacting with people and hearing about these experiences that a lot of us share. So for this final installment, we're going to talk about the word bossy because with our first episode in this series, we started at the threshold of the workplace with salary negotiation. And now hopefully we've taken you through to the corner office Congratulations. We're all powerful women in beautiful pantsuits from J. Crew. And let's talk about bossy. Yeah. I, and I, I, no shame in saying it, was an incredibly bossy child. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And I, I, you know, we're going to get into the connotations of this word and what we really mean when we say it and maybe what we should say instead of bossy. But no, I, I have no shame. I, I was a bossy child in every negative sense of that word. And so a negative sense in terms of not being fun to play with. I uh, I was an only child. Um, so I tended to get very like, you go do that and, and don't do that. I want to do that. And no, you can't you can't play with that because that's mine. And then we're. Yeah. Yeah. I was very I tended to boss kids around. Yeah. I have my bossy streaks, I think, partially due to homeschooling mm-hmm. because I was really used to self-directed learning. So. With group assignments in college, for instance, I really wasn't a big fan of them and preferred to just kind of lay out my own plan and forge ahead. And yeah. if people would like to follow along, then great. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's interesting, though, like as I mean, talking about moving from an elementary school setting to a college setting, you know, and then into the workplace as we're as we're talking about today. 
You know, I, I really kind of feel like I've taken my bossy childhood brat tendencies and kind of transitioned those into the workplace. And I feel like, the, you know, the past few jobs I've had, I've been able to, for instance, like go to meetings and actually help not delegate because I'm not a boss one day, but, you know, maybe actually help focus meetings and things like that. It sounds like you assert yourself. Yes, I am able to be assertive. Um, and that the thing is, the fact that assertiveness and bossiness can essentially be sort of the same thing. We just obviously treat bossy as a much more negative term. Um, but let's dig into how gendered it is, because we felt like bossiness was a good place to end things because it's almost exclusively used as a pejorative for authoritative women. Because as we've talked about in this series before, women are constantly being socially penalized for being assertive and thus being called just bossy. Which or is another B word. <laughs> exactly. And that's one of the reasons why, for instance, I think it's so great that Tina Fey called her book Bossy Pants, which I think is also a jab at this gendering of bossy. Well, so where did our our use of the word bossy and boss even come from? Let's look at the etymology. This is from Etymology Online. Uh, in the 1540s, it meant swelling, projecting, and rounded. I don't know. I picture like a boss's stomach. Anyway, it, and it like, comes like a boss tweed stomach. Right. Okay. Exactly. Well, so that that's bossy where it's coming from, that it's it's swelling and projecting. And that's from the word boss, which is actually from Dutch bass. I'm probably saying that wrong, but B-A-A-S, which is a master of a uh, Dutch ship. It's like a word for a Dutch ship's captain. Oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, well, then fast forward to 1882, and we have it meaning what we think of today in terms of being domineering and fond of ordering people about. And then uh, it's also a common cow name. So, <laughs> so there we go. So maybe bossy instead of Bessie. But one thing I wasn't able to find, though, in the, tracking the etymology of bossy is where it took this turn from just being a person fond of ordering people about to a woman in particular. Mm. Um, but these days, I mean, I, I think it's pretty commonly associated with women. I don't, I don't know that we hear too often about bossy boys or bossy men. It's just, oh, he's the boss. Yeah. Who's the boss? Oh, he's the boss. <laughs> Who's bossy? Well, she's bossy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you might, you might hear bossy in relation to small young boys, maybe. Uh-huh. But yeah, you, you sure don't hear it in relation to any adult men. And that was brought up over and over again by a lot of women who were critiquing the use of the word, such as uh, Britain's Claire Balding, who said, you come across words all the time that are everyday sexism. She says, I was described as competently bossy and bossily competent by a male journalist. And I thought, gosh, bossy is never used of a man, a man would be called assertive or confident or quick or bright. Yeah, over at The Current Conscious, uh, lawyer Kathleen J. Wu echoed that. She said one of the reasons women seem to hit a wall in their careers goes back to a word they've heard consistently since elementary school, 
bossy. There's something visceral about that word. It's everything a little girl shouldn't be, and her friends, parents, and teachers all scolded her when they perceived she was being bossy. So, side note, really fast, did did your parents ever call you out for being bossy? Do you remember getting that bossy label? No, but I think I, I don't know what made me hyper aware of it, but I remember having a friend over, uh, an elementary school friend over, and we were playing in the front yard, and everything was going great. We were having a good time, climbing trees and stuff, uh, and I did something, and, and she got this look on her face, and I was like, sorry if I'm being bossy. Cause I was kind of, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how I became aware of it or who even, if people ever even describe me that way, but I described myself that way even as a kid. It's amazing how we absorb those kinds of things mm-hmm. as kids so quickly without our even knowing it. To continue talking about Kathleen Wu, she also wrote that um, a woman's success often comes at the cost of not being very well liked by men or by women. And she says that that has a lot to do with the traditional women's roles versus traditional men's roles in society. That if a woman transgresses, you know, and she does assert herself at work or wherever, in the store, wherever, uh, she doesn't actually get to be very well liked because of it, whereas a man might be admired for it. And this is something that Elizabeth Berger, who is the author of Raising Kids with Character, and she's also a psychiatrist, probably would say traces all the way back to childhood, as with the instance of, of you, Caroline, kind of internalizing that bossy label, because she was talking to Kathleen Devaney with the Daily Beast about uh, Devaney's uh, supposedly bossy daughter, and she said, actually labeling little girls as bossy is incredibly sexist, because, she says, the urge to push other people around is deeply ingrained in human nature, But the same presentation in a boy would be applauded as vivid and courageous and deserving of praise. So we see this pattern over and over again, whether it's on the schoolyard or in the boardroom. Right. But what I like about Davini's uh, piece for the Daily Beast, when she's referencing her quote unquote bossy daughter, she does kind of admire her daughter for her behavior. And so we're talking about how boys would be admired for behavior, whereas girls would not. But she talks about how, OK, OK, my daughter might be a little demanding or bossy with her friends. But shoot, she might become the next Hillary Clinton because she's simply saying what she wants. I because mean, she's asserting herself. Yeah, because I think a kid could easily still do the basic things of sharing and getting along. But a lot of times you put kids in a room, one of them is going to emerge as the leader. Yeah. And I wonder if it happens to be a girl that emerges as that person, if she's just knee-jerk called bossy. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, because you call someone bossy, there is that ingrained negative connotation you know, and I think it was I think it was Davini who who commented that, hey, you know, some of those girls might take it and be OK with it and still advance along that same assertive path. But some might internalize that negativity and just shrink, mm-hmm. shrink from it. OK, so a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95 percent of women don't feel great about their hair. I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something a little weird, something I don't want it to do, then I I can't stop thinking about it the rest of the day. Oh my God, we've all been there. 
Pantene's rosewater collection feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rosewater because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. Your hair doesn't look really great. Thank you. I actually worked in a place for a while that was very sensitive environmentally, and we weren't allowed to use shampoos that had sulfate in them. So that's something that I look for these days. And bonus, I love the way that my hair looks now. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. Okay, the new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman have never been more hilarious as America's favorite moms turned gangsters, Beth, Ruby, and Annie. Already this season, there have been some big twists and breathtaking surprises. The fans love it, and the critics do, too. Variety calls good girls addictive and audacious. Entertainment Weekly says it's just what you need, and Rotten Tomatoes certifies good girls 100% fresh. So, if you've missed any of the new season, get yourself online and stream it now. And Sundays on NBC, watch it live. There's sure to be big twists and huge surprises. So you'll want to enjoy your Good Girls experience in a spoiler-free zone. The all-new, all-hilarious season of Good Girls, Sundays on NBC and stream anytime. Yeah, which is something that we certainly don't need to do. And Sheryl Sandberg in Lean In talks about the insecurity regarding these fraught issues of success and likability because a lot of times, like we're saying, they can often be at odds for women in the workplace. Um, she cites a 2003 Columbia Business School experiment of a Heidi versus a Howard, which found that students' perceptions of a fictional business person profiled as either Heidi or Howard changed drastically depending on the character's gender. Success and likability strongly correlated only to Howard, whereas the more successful Heidi got, the less students liked her, both male and female students alike. Right, and the women in these types of studies often get the negative descriptions like she's not well-liked by her peers or we assume she's too aggressive, not a team player, maybe a little political or she can't be trusted or she's difficult. And so Sandberg writes... Our stereotype of men holds that they are providers, decisive and driven. Our stereotype of women holds that they are caregivers, sensitive and communal. So like with the bossy thing, if we view women as, you know, transgressing normal social boundaries, then they're difficult, whereas men are just, you know, strong. And so what do we do to avoid being disliked, to avoid all of those admittedly unsavory titles such as I mean I wouldn't want to be told well listen you can't be trusted Kristen you're too difficult you're a bit political to which I'd say well you've probably been listening to my podcast <laughs> um, but seriously though to, to avoid being disliked a lot of times we will temper our professional goals we're sort of undercut ourselves and she quotes in the book Ken Ayuleta from the New Yorker who said quote self-doubt becomes a form of self defense. And this also seems to tie back into our episode on uh, the imposter syndrome and the fear in the workplace and how that serves to hold us back from our potential in that way. And this, I'm sure, only amplifies all of those issues. Right. And she also quotes Deborah Grunfeld, who's a professor of leadership and organizational behavior at Stanford. 
And Greenfeld says our entrenched cultural ideas associate men with leadership qualities and women with nurturing qualities and put women in a double bind. When a woman does anything that signals she might not be nice, first and foremost, it creates a negative impression and makes us uncomfortable. And the thing is, I don't, I don't think that Sandberg is trying to say that to, in order to get ahead, you can't be nice. Even though there is that a whole uh, business advice book called "Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office," mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't think that you have to sacrifice interpersonal warmth in order to get a raise. It's just uh, being more cognizant, perhaps, of not sacrificing our chances of getting a raise by wanting to be too nice. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so transitioning completely off of what you were just saying, in her book, Lean In, Sandberg does suggest that understanding how to negotiate and get a seat at the table by combining niceness with insistence um, is, is probably the way to go. And that often requires smiling frequently, she says, expressing appreciation and concern, invoking common interests, emphasizing larger goals and approaching the negotiation as solving a problem as opposed to taking a critical stance. And a lot of those things echo what we said in our negotiation episode, where you have to approach it slightly differently if you're a woman as opposed to a man and, you know, make the negotiation more about the good of the group as a whole rather than just for yourself. Yeah, and I really appreciate that approach because kind of like the reason why we titled the negotiation episode How to Negotiate Like a Woman, the solution to all of this stuff isn't, well, just act like a man. You don't have to sacrifice uh, any any type of femininity that you might have or, or niceness or, or things like that. It's simply reevaluating our approach, dealing with fear issues, it seems like, and, you know, coming at it from places of truth and authenticity, because that what she's talking about in terms of smiling frequently, expressing appreciation and concern, taking in general more communal approaches resonates a lot in my experience at work, because in times when I might be working really, really hard and I'm very determined and I have a goal that I want to accomplish, but it's a lot easier to accomplish that. If I'm smiling, even if it is fake sometimes. <laughs> and not to you, though, Caroline. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, yeah, sure, Caroline, we can do that topic. No, but do you, you know what <laughs> yes. I mean? Because, yeah. because there are times when, especially if you're dealing with a difficult manager or even a difficult coworker that you don't have a close relationship mm-hmm. with, where you've got to play nice. And I say play nice in terms of the aspect of combining niceness with insistence. And, you know, when I first read this, I don't disagree with Sandberg at all in this regard that you you do have to combine niceness with insistence, you know, smiling frequently, etc. My first instinct was like, well, that's obnoxious. Like, why should we have to do that? Like, why can't I just be direct? Which, you know, a lot of times I just am. And I'm sure a lot of times people are like, what's up her butt? But I would rather be direct than like beat around the bush and be overly polite. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, okay, okay. It's not like it's just women who have to do this. You know, like I would be just as miffed. If a man walked up to me and was like, hey, stop smacking your gum as a woman, you know, like that, obviously that's just a silly example and has nothing to do with work. But like, 
I mean, I think I think being polite and being insistent but kind and friendly is good advice for anybody in the workplace. Well, and if your MO is that combination of niceness with insistence, that gives you maybe more leverage for those times when you have to be firm. Right. And you have to bulldoze a little Mm -hmm. bit and you have to be demanding. Right. Yeah, because that does lay the foundation for people to think, okay, well, she's she's never been unfair or cruel or mean or hard hearted to me. Um, So obviously this thing is important and this is what she needs. Hopefully that would be the outcome. (laughs) Well, and all of this would be undergirded by, you know, a legacy of solid work. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what always hopefully at the end of the day speaks for itself. And then you have all of these other things on top of it to tie it together because work is so not just work. Yeah, you're you're juggling a lot of personalities. And one thing that I tell my father this all the time, I'm 29, you know, and I tell my father this all the time. I just told him last weekend when we had dinner together, I was like, you told me when I was in elementary school, and I was doing group projects and I was so angry because these other kids were not doing it right and they weren't, you know, putting in the same effort that I was. You told me way back then that, sister, this is life and you're going to have to get used to it. And when you're a grown up and you have a job, it's going to be even worse. <laughs> you're making such strong eye contact with me right now. <laughs> I hope it's not always worse. No, but you, you know, I know what you mean. Yeah, like advice like that about dealing with other personalities. Yeah. Being open to dealing with other personalities and being flexible enough in your own personality that you can approach maybe uncomfortable situations with a smile and with kindness. You know, that I think that's that's a good jumping off point for office relations. Well, I'm gonna toss something out there. That might sound a bit radical. I think maybe we should reclaim bossy. Interesting. I wonder if there is a way at least to sort of flip the script on it in a similar way that women have reclaimed the B word that we can't say on this podcast. Right. Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree. I I wonder if. We made a conscious effort to, when we wanted to call someone bossy, if we made a conscious effort to replace it with a word like assertive and see how we felt in our brains when we said that, because I think that would be kind of like a personal test almost for how we really meant it. Right. Did we really mean that as a positive? Like, because you can say about someone, oh, she's she's assertive and it's a positive. You can also mean it as a negative. I think bossy, on the other hand, always has a negative connotation. So... I don't know, maybe replacing bossy with a word like assertive, you can kind of judge, wait, okay, maybe like check yourself. Yeah. How am, I, how am I using this? I like that. I like that thought experiment. Hmm. And I think in real world terms too, the more Sheryl Sandbergs we see, the more Tina Fey's writing books called Bossy Pants, the more outspoken, powerful, assertive, bossy women the better it's going to be. Yeah. Hopefully over time. Yeah. I mean, I think um, hopefully decades from now, it will seem silly that we talked about the negative connotations of a word like bossy. And hopefully people will be joking around, calling each other bossy, and it won't be a negative thing. Okay. 
So a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair. I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something a little weird, something I don't want it to do, (laughs) then I, I can't stop thinking about it the rest of the day. Oh my God, we've all been there. Pantene's rose water collection feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. Your hair doesn't look really great. Thank you. I actually worked in a place for a while that was very sensitive environmentally, and we weren't allowed to use shampoos that had sulfate in them. So that's something that I look for these days. And bonus, I love the way that my hair looks now. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Here's the thing. Saving money with GEICO is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. So we want to hear from all of our bossy listeners out there. Discovery.com is where you can send your letters. This does conclude our four-part series on Lean In by Cheryl Sandberg. You can connect more with Lean In and the Lean In Foundation at leanin.org or going to facebook.com slash leaninorg. There's a huge community of women talking about these kinds of workplace issues every single day. And of course, share your stories with us as well. Momstuffadiscovery.com is our email address, or you can also find us on Facebook or tweet us at momstuffpodcast. And for kicks, you should check us out also on Instagram. Our username is Stuff Mom Never Told You. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's rose water collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rose water derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's rose water collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben dye, and mineral oil free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime.